we'll do that next Sunday night. Now tonight, once again, we're continuing our series on the Ten Commandments. We've now come to that last of the Ten Commandments given by God to Moses on Mount Sinai. Turn in your Bible, if you would, to, to Exodus chapter 20, verse 17, which says, You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not cover your neighbor's wife, nor his male servants, nor his female servants, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. As I said, this is the last of the Ten Commandments. And it to me, this one is different from all the other commandments that he's given us here. The other commandments deal with actions. This one deals with attitude. The other commandments deal with deeds. This one deals with your desires. This commandment reminds us that sin is not just a problem of our actions, but it can also be a problem of our attitude. And so he's giving us this here. God is interested on what our hearts are are thinking about as well as what our hands are grasping for. Now, in order to enforce this commandment, we'd have to take the policeman off the corner and put him in the heart. You know, you need a policeman in your heart to convict and to convince you and to control you when it comes to the command that says, you shall not covenant or covet. No human law can legislate against coveting. No policeman has ever arrested a person for it. Not even police radar can detect the thinking of, uh, of someone running off with uh, his neighbor's wife or, or the Tenth Commandment, is a, you know, it, because it, it addresses the mind, your thoughts, your attitude of the individual. And it speaks of God's concern that righteousness should begin on the inside. Now, it is evident that we are... As, as we think of, uh, is, is it, that this is important to God, and what we think is as important to God is what we do. Let's never be so foolish as to think that God only cares about our observed behavior. We can restrain ourselves to some extent so that we appear on the outside somewhat different than we are on the inside. Unlike man, though, God cares on what goes on the outside as well as what goes on on the inside. And what goes on the inside as well as the outside. This particular commandment, which is unenforceable by legal means, tells us that God, who is interested, is not just in, in civilizing us, but making us righteous people. God says, You shall not covet. Now, what does he mean, covet? It means to have an unlawful desire for something. To covet means to want something that is not rightfully yours. Something that is that by right belongs to somebody else, and you want that. Let me hasten to say that the sin of covetous is not limited to money. You might covet someone's influence. You might covet someone's power. You might covet someone's fame. You might covet someone's appearance. You might covet someone's popularity. Or you might covet someone's health. The sin of covetousness is, is a very common sin. I mean, we find in the pages of the Bible many that were wounded by the many thorns of covetousness. It was covetousness that plunged the whole world into sin. When Eve saw the tree that God had condemned, when she saw that it was desirable to the eye, she ate. 
It was covetous that caused Achan to steal and to hide what God said when, when they went into Jericho, said don't take nothing that from the spoils of Jericho after it was destroyed. Achan confessed and he said, I coveted them and took them. Ahab coveted uh, Naboth's vineyard. It was covetousness which was behind David's sin of adultery. It was covetousness that drove Judas Iscariot to, to betray Jesus. Covetousness was the reason Ananias and Sapphira lied and kept back part of the price of the land that they had sold. That they had sold. Paul said that the last days would be characterized by many things. Among them would be covetousness. He said in 2 Timothy 3 verse 2, This know that in the last days perilous times shall come. Men shall be lovers of their own selves. And then he says that word, covetous. The psalmist said in Psalm 10 and verse 3, For the wicked boast of their heart's desires and blesses the covetous whom the Lord abhors. So, again, he tells us in the Ten Commandments, Thou shalt not covet. And we see throughout the Bible that covetousness is a problem that is very, very uh, common. I see uh, on our Facebook, Joel Broden is tuned in to us. He said, good evening to everybody. Uh, but, uh, uh, so, but anyway, we're, we're looking at this thing. Now, when I say that to be, to covet means that you desire something that is not rightfully yours, it doesn't mean that you don't want things. It doesn't mean that you don't have a desire for things. It doesn't mean that there's supposed to be a cessation of desire on your part. As a matter of fact, it's right to want certain things. Speaking, you know, of spiritual gifts, the Bible says, covet the best gifts. There are certain things that you want to desire, certain things that you want. There are things that are normal and natural. We want love, and it's all right to want love. We want friendship. We want a home. We want happiness. We want joy. We want success. We want victory. We want peace. We want a wife. We want a husband. Those things are all right. But you're not to want the things that are not rightfully yours. You're not to want the things which are not lawfully yours. It is the inordinate desire. That's the command. That's what he's talking about. Now, this evening, I want you to notice three things about this commandment. Actually, we're not going to look at three tonight because we're going to break this up into two parts. But first of all, I want you to notice the root of covetousness. Then I want you to see the result of covetousness. And then finally, the remedy for covetousness. First of all, the roots. Why are people Covetous. Well, first of all, covetous roots in sinfulness. It's, it's in a very real sense. Covetousness drives almost every sin we commit and brings unbelievable disharmony into the human race. Turn with me to the book of Mark and let's, let's look. In Mark chapter 7, starting at verse 21, all the way through 23, this is the New King James Version. It says, nor from within, he says, out of the heart of men perceive evil thoughts, adultery, fornication, murders, thefts. And then there's that word. Covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile a man. Now why is a man covetous? Well, because it comes out of his heart. You see, covetousness is is the sin of the devil. It was the devil who coveted the throne of God. That's now, that's how Lucifer, the son of the morning, became Satan, the father of night. 
It was through covetous. He, he coveted God's position. How did Adam and Eve fall in the Garden of Eden? They coveted and took of the forbidden fruit. It was covetousness that corrupted mankind. Jesus said, these things come out of the heart. There's not a person here. Not a person here that at some time or another has not coveted. You see, the heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. And all of us have uh, evil desires from time to time. And uh, we need to know that. But its root is sin. The second root is selfishness. Because we're sinful, we're all selfish. Another person just tuned in, uh, Wayne Smith from from uh, Lebanon. He says, I look like a Catholic priest of my, with my collar here. I don't know, but anyway. <laughs> it's sin to cause a man, you know. He says, uh, we're selfish. And selfishness is a wrongful desire. You see, it is sin that separates us from God. And when he dies spiritually, there is a, a part of him that is missing. And so rather than being God-centered, he now becomes self-centered. And he, he tries to fulfill that void in his life, fulfilling selfish desires. Man, you know, man then becomes an egomaniac and, and he lives for himself. And that's why people are covetous. They are seeking to satisfy and get for themselves and for themselves alone. Listen, how would you like to be perfectly miserable? I can tell you how to do that. Matter of fact, I will. Let me just tell you how to be perfectly miserable. Here's a recipe for misery. If you want to be miserable, think about yourself. About only what you want. About what you like. What respect people ought to pay you. And then, and, and then you and, and, and to you, nothing will be pure. You will spoil everything you touch. You will make misery for yourself out of everything that's good. You will be a wretched as you choose. Someone has well said that a man who is all wrapped up in himself makes a mighty small package. What I'm saying is that because we're sinful, we are by nature selfish and we covet. The first root of covetousness was sinfulness. The second root of covetousness is selfishness. The third is shallowness. The its root is shallowness. Turn with me to Luke chapter 12 and verse 15. Luke chapter 12 and verse 15. Again, we're looking at the New King James Version. It says, And he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things which he possesses. He says, Beware. He says, Beware of covetousness. For man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. Now I hope all of us We'll put a star by Luke chapter 12, verse 15, because in this verse, Jesus is talking about you and he's talking about me. This, this is not what Jesus had said. This is what Jesus is saying, and he's saying, and especially to our society today. It's not, you know, it's not what he says to them. It's what he's saying to us. Beware of covetousness, for man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. And then Jesus gives a parable an illustration to illustrate it in Luke chapter 12, verses 16 through 21. I'm going to use the New Century Version for this one. It says, Then Jesus told this story. There was a rich man who had some land which grew a good crop. He thought to himself, What will I do? I have no place to keep all my crops. 
Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns, I'll build bigger ones, and there I will store all my grain and other goods. Then I can say to myself, I have enough good things stored to last many years. Rest, eat, drink, and enjoy life. But God said to him, foolish man. Now, this is what God's epitaph on this man's tombstone. Foolish man, tonight your life will be taken from you. So who will get those things you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be for those who store up things for themselves and are not rich towards God. Now, what was this man's problem? He was a materialist. He was a covetous man. He knew how to make a living, but he didn't know how to make a life. He, he didn't own money. Money owed him. And he thought that it, it, it could satisfy his soul if he just had enough. Of course, I've told the story of J.D. Rockefeller when somebody asked him at the time. He was the richest man in the world. They asked him, said, J.D., how much is enough? He said, just a little more. Well, a lot of people are that way. Just a little more. Just a little more. That's the way life is. And, he, you know, and he thought he, this guy thought he could, could satisfy his soul with material things. He said, I will say to my soul, soul, take your ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. Watch another football game and, and ESPN. You know, what a shallow man he was. He thought that his deepest needs could be satisfied with material things. You know, some people blame others for trying to get the, the world, you know, and, and they say you know, the world is too big. Well, no, friend, that's not the problem. It's not that the world is too big for us. It's that it's, we're too big for the world. We were made for the infinite, and we cannot be satisfied with the finite. Matter of fact, Jesus said, What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? You know, uh, number one, you can't gain the whole world. But even if you could, he says it wouldn't satisfy. The world's not big enough. You know, if you could gain the whole world, you'd want to fence the moon in for a potato patch. You'd want something more. You know, you, you would just, things cannot satisfy. And what a shallow person that covets, is a covetous person is because he's trying to satisfy the longing of his souls with things that can never satisfy. That's the root of covetousness. Sinfulness, selfishness, and shallowness. Do you know uh, uh, anyone like that? There, there are a lot of shallow people. Someone asked a preacher, what size is your, your church field? He said, well, it's only it's 10 miles wide and a half an inch deep. And he was saying, you know, it was awful shallow. And anyone who's trying to satisfy the deepest longing of their soul with material things are shallow. You know, we need to be teaching our kids a little better. That, you know, having the latest thing, wearing the right shoes, having the, same, the right name brand is not what's going to satisfy you in this life. Getting the latest gadget or the newest phone is not going to satisfy you because guess what? They're going to come out with another. You know, I ain't even got the, the newest iPhone. They come out, you know, I got a, a a 6, but they come out with an 8, and then they wind up coming out with a 10. And then, you know, and, and both the 8 and the 10 came out at the same time. I mean, you could buy the 8 and still be out of date. You know, but, but they have all these different things. And, and we're taught that, you know, oh, the world tells you, you know, if you'll just get this, it'll satisfy Remember the old Chesterfield commercial? It says, you know, smoke Chesterfields. They satisfy. 
Well, that's a lie. It's a lie like what the devil teaches in most things. You know, Chesterfield says, you know, smoke Chesterfields, they satisfy. But they satisfy, why is it after you smoke one, you want another, and then another, and then another, until you become a chain smoker? It doesn't satisfy. Well, the things of the world are just addic- as addictive and no more satisfying. We need to understand that. There's a problem of the shallow person. He has a vacuum in his heart, and he's trying to fill it with the wrong things. That's what it teaches. Now, the second thing I want you to notice is not only the roots of covetousness, I want you to see the result of covetousness. The result of covetousness. What are they? Number one, covetousness is a debasing sin. To debase means to kill your character. We read in 1 Timothy 6 and verse 9 in New Century Version, it says, Those who want to become rich bring temptations to themselves and are caught in a trap. They want many foolish and harmful things that ruin and destroy people. Now, that verse doesn't say those that are rich. Nowhere in the Bible does it say being rich is a sin in and of itself. The Bible says those who want to become rich... That is, those who set their goal, those who go out and their only ambition is things to make themselves rich. That's who he's talking about. He is simply saying that if riches is the prime motive in your life, if that's the will of your life, if that's the driving force of your life, then you're in trouble if you're going that way. Listen again if we read 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 9. Those who want to become rich bring temptations to themselves and are caught in a trap. They want many foolish and harmful things that ruin and destroy people. They're like a bee that falls in a barrel of honey and drowns. Listen to the next verse in verse 10. The love of money causes all kinds of evil. Some people have left the faith because they wanted to get more money But they have caused themselves much sorrow. And it's interesting. I I happened to be reading some things today. I I, I was online. I read this article. It just popped up. I I don't know if it was on Facebook. I think it was on MSN. But it was about a 20-year-old girl who was suing the British government because she won the lottery there in Great Britain. And she won like $2.5 million dollars. But she was only 17 years old at the time when she won it. The British law says you can play the lottery at age 16. And she's saying that that by winning the lottery, it's ruined her life. She said, even though I own two houses and I drive a luxury car and I have all these things at 17 years old, she said, I was too young to be able to handle it and it has ruined my life. I don't have any peace. I don't have any happiness. I don't have any joy in my life because, you know, it says every guy that I date, I wonder if he's dating me for my money or is he dating me for me? That kind of, you know, for, and, and she says, it, it's caused me, she's suing the British government. To say that you shouldn't be able to play the lottery until you're older because, again, at 17, she was too young and too immature to handle that kind of money. Well, you know, that's kind of the way a lot of us are. You know, if I had time, I could show you from the Bible how the covetousness will cause you to, to break each of the other nine commandments. Covetousness can cause you to break every one of the other ten commandments. It is a debasing sin. It will kill your character. Usually those that covet and wind up with those things wind up into other sins, don't they? I was reading sometime back about a man who was very successful. He owned a chain of restaurants. But when it came time for 
this successful businessman, this wealthy man to die. His family gathered around his deathbed. His relatives were all there. They, they were bending low to find out what his last words would be. And this is what he whispered in a very low voice. Remember to slice the ham thin. That was his dying words. Remember to slice the ham thin. Now, folks, he's dying. And the only thing that he could think to say was to be sure to cut the ham thin. Covetousness has killed this soul to death. Here's a man ready to die, and all he could say was remember to slice the ham thin. Yes, covetousness is a debasing sin. It will kill your character. But not only is it a debasing sin, it is a deceiving sin. Second Thessalonians 2.5 speaks of the cloak of covetousness. And it suggests the deceitfulness of that sin. Do you know that covetousness is the only, is a sin that, it's a sin that nobody thinks he has. In all of likelihood, you, do, do you know what you're thinking right now as I'm preaching this? You're thinking, tell them about how covetousness is a sin. They really need to hear about covetousness. Mitchell, you tell them, if they're here tonight, they would have really gotten it. I heard, you know, I've had somebody tell me when I go out, if boy, if they'd have been here today, you'd have got them. And, and some of you, when I come to the topic of covetousness, that's what you're thinking. Boy, if they'd have been here tonight, you'd have got them. One man said, as he was preaching on covetousness, all these folks in the front row have a shovel, and they're just shoveling it over their shoulders. And all those in the back have an umbrella, and they're just letting it slide off to everybody else. He was saying that many in his audience were just saying, you tell them how they ought not to be covetous. Nobody ever thinks that they are covetous. You know, that's a strange thing to me. Charles Spurgeon, famous preacher from yesteryear, said, I've seen thousands of people converted, but I've never seen a covetous man converted. Now, what he meant is that not that covetous people don't become Christians. They do so. Well, what he meant was he'd never heard a man confess publicly that I have sinned and my sin is the sin of covetousness and I need to be saved from the sin of covetousness. That's what he meant. Francis, Francis uh, Xavier, a uh, uh, leader in, in the Roman Catholic Church of yesteryear said as a Catholic priest, he had listened to literally thousands upon thousands upon thousands of confessions and yet he'd never in in, in his and heard a single person confess the sin of covetousness. One preacher was preaching on the sin of covetousness, and he entitled this sermon, the, the sin we never admit. Covetous may not be confessed, but it doesn't mean that it's not committed. And when it's committed, we always think that it's the other person who's committed it. It's not us. Yes, covetousness is a deceiving sin, and if you're not careful, it will deceive you. And that's the reason the Lord said, beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things he has. If things brought happiness, we'd be the happiest generation that has ever lived. Because we have more goods than anybody who's ever lived on this earth at any other time in history. And yet, we have more pills that are popped we have more suicides, more divorces, more runaways, more dropouts, and more delinquents in this nation than any place else in the earth. So if you think things are the answer, look again. All right, now, that's not only a debasing sin and a deceiving sin. It will deceive us in thinking that everything's okay. It 
will deceive us into thinking that, oh, if I only had. Of course, we expect that, you know, kids, you know, all kids, all kids are covetous. I mean, it's just, it just they are. You know, how many of your kids have ever said, Dad, Mom, I want this, and they will tell you everybody that's got one. They will go down the list of everybody's got one of those things. I, I, need, I need one of those things, and if you say no, they say, but, but everybody's got one. What they're saying is, I have a desire for something somebody else has got. They want it because somebody else has it. And then the other thing they'll do is they'll come in and say, Dad, Mom, if you will get me this thing, I'll never ask for anything else. You ever done that? Have you? What? Yeah. Most of us, all of us kids did. We all did that. Mom, Dad, if you will get me this, I'll never ask for anything again. By the way, did you get what you asked for? You don't know if you did or not? I bet you did, and I bet you want something else, if I was a betting man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's just the way it is. That's the way we do. And covetousness is a sin. The problem is, is you, you, know, you expect that out of kids. I mean, it's just a natural thing. Because of our nature, that's the way we are. But the problem is, most of us never grow out of that. Now, most of us would never admit it. Most of us are deceived into thinking that we're not. But we are that way. If I could just have this... I'd be happy. If my husband would just do better, I'd be happy. If my wife would just quit griping, I'd be happy. Oh, if we could just get a new car, I'd be happy. If I had a better house, I'd be happy. If I, you know, if I could do this or that, if my job was better, I'd be happy. We need to be careful that we didn't get caught in covetousness. Now, we're going to put a stop right there. We're going to look next week how that covetousness is a damning sin. We're going to look at the cure for covetousness. Well, we'll put a period here for tonight. And just know that he says, thou shalt not covet. That's the tenth command. And he tells us we don't need to have an unlawful desire for things of somebody else. We need to be careful. And again, in the world that we live, you know, Solomon said, he that loveth silver will not be satisfied. That he told us that these things won't bring us happiness. And we need to understand that. We need to know that. If we'll go in with that, knowing that, you know, there's nothing wrong with wanting things and having things. It's when those things control our attitude and our life, that's when we're in trouble. And we need to be careful with that. Again, there are some things we ought to covet. We ought to covet the best gifts that he said spiritually. We need to desire to become more spiritual. And, and we should desire that. You may want to do that tonight. Maybe you're not a Christian. Again, our baptistry's on and working, and it's warm. And as a matter of fact, it's warm as it's been in a year. And uh, so it's ready for you. If you want to obey the gospel tonight, we're ready to receive. Of course, we've always been ready. We'd have took care of you any time, but, but it'd be more convenient time. I know uh, uh, the last person I baptized, I, I can't remember who it was. I just remember how cold they were when we got done. But we could do that tonight, and you could come out feeling good in more than one reason. Number one, because you didn't get so cold. Number two, because you're right with God. The number two is the best one. If you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, we want to encourage you to do that. If you're here tonight and you're a Christian, but maybe you've been the one that's sitting up front and shoveling it back or one in the back with, a, with the uh, umbrella just bouncing it off and trying to get it on somebody else, knowing that that's not your sin. Maybe you need to look at yourself. Beware, he says. 
of covetousness. Now, we all know what beware means. You know, I I work for the ambulance service, and and, uh, if I pull up in somebody's yard and I see this sign that says, Beware of dog, I'm not jumping out of that ambulance. As a matter of fact, I usually let the other guy go on first. If he makes it around the corner, I'll be putting on my gloves to see if everything's okay. Why? Because I'm being aware of that dog. And then when I open that door, you know what I do when I open that door? I'm looking both ways because what am I doing? I'm being aware of that dog. I'll be starting for that the front porch there, you know, to take care of that person. But, you know, anywhere, but I leave my door open because I'm, I'm, I'm being aware of that dog. <laughs> and, yeah, but, you know, I'll start to that, that, that porch and any time between that door and that porch, I hear a dog bark. I'm heading back to that truck because I'm being aware of that dog. Well, that's the way we need to be, he says, of covetousness. We need to be looking around. We need to make sure. We need to keep our eyes open. We need to keep the door ready to jump and, and go for cover because it's a, it's a sin that so easily besets us and can trap us. And it can eat us up. We need to be careful. Beware of covetousness. He says, thou shalt not covet. And then he lists all these things that you shouldn't desire, have unlawful desires for. If we can help you tonight, maybe you need the prayers of the church. Maybe you need to come and turn from sin, repent, and confess your sins. He says if we confess our sins, he's faithful just forgive us of our sins. Well, if we can help you tonight, we want to encourage you to come. As we stand, we offer the invitation.